Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and the same thing goes for Instagram. My name is Gerald Getterich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's finally defrosted, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, good, man. Just a quick trip to Cancun. Got me all defrosted, feeling uh, nice and warm. Uh, the sounds of mariachi and margarita uh, still in my ears. No, I'm kidding. Of course, I was here in uh, in Houston. Um, my house got almost to freezing. It was in the 30s. I think it was 38 at one point, but never all the way to 32 degrees. Dang, pier and beam. Uh, older, refurbished homes. Um, a refinish, I should say. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was cold. Uh, we went to a friend's house who did not lose power. I'm sure many of our listeners have, were somewhere in between of battling cold and thanking folks for shelter. Uh, big shout out to uh, our friends for... for housing us for a couple days uh we didn't have water for uh, about a week um used up i i'm not a doomsday prepper my my uh my wife though has lived through a lot of hurricanes so we had about three weeks supply of water just on hand so we we were well well set for this um i thank her for that but yeah between uh, power and water outages. It felt like about the the weekend, maybe Sunday, when it was like nice weather and everything just kind of thawed in the world and routine set back in that it felt normal again. So, kind of a lost week for both us. And honestly, if you look at all the cancellations and postponements, uh, UT sports as well. But uh, I'm I'm ultimately I'm good. I'm here, excited to see your uh, your smiling face there, Gerald. How are you doing? I'm good, man. We we were the lucky ones. We never lost power in Oklahoma. Uh, we didn't get hit with any of the rolling blackouts here. Um, our we're we're not in Oklahoma City proper. We're like in a little suburb, and they we have we lost water for like 36 hours or so. And I still didn't trust it. Like I left our bathtub filled with water, so I didn't have to melt anymore. Like we got it back for a little bit. And I filled it up because I was tired of melting snow, so my kid could pee. <laughs> um, and so we we I like I, I waited an extra like 12 or so hours to drain that bathtub before I was like I I just don't trust you guys. But no, we we are we were incredibly blessed through that. Like we. We're, we have the means to prepare and so we like the priv- the privilege of like being able to run to the store and grab you know a couple of, of 24 packs of water we are completely blessed and we're our thoughts and prayers with those that that weren't that uh aren't that blessed and fortunate to do that so uh moving off of something that's actually important to talk about let's talk about some stuff that that doesn't actually matter in the long run <laughs> of things we've got a lot of honestly disappointing sports to talk about Yay. today we'll, we'll talk about um basketball and baseball being I'm just going to say it absolutely atrocious. Uh, We'll talk about uh, some good recruiting news. At least we've got a women's basketball update. They there, they did okay. Uh, Softball did real, real well. Uh, We'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron and we'll bang the drum. Kyle, I'm running out of excuses. I'm running out of reasons. I'm running out of things to say. Texas held a 19 point lead against West Virginia and managed to lose by two points. 74 to 72 there are a lot of things we could say about that game a lot and we're gonna say a few of them but like 
at some point, like, I just don't know what is going on. In a, an arena that doesn't have fans because there's no water to, like, house people, like, there's a little bit of that factor to it, but at some point, like, the excuses start to run out. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. It kind of felt like there was some cosmic, karmic... Uh, weight on that game from the previous game, which Texas, you know, absolutely should have been prosecuted for, for just absolute theft, uh, went into Morgantown and, and left with a, uh, with a W that which did not belong to them. Um, in some ways you saw a mirror image. This, this is not a game that they should have lost. This West Virginia had literally no business, um, being in this game, much less winning it. You can blame it on a litany of things. Of course, Texas's you know, defense just wasn't good. It wasn't, we talked in the early season about, you know, they were going to be a team that was so athletic and long and, um, you know, got out on shooters on the three-point line and they were going to live by their defense and create offense from that. Um, it really wasn't the case. I mean, Texas did more than enough on the offensive end, put the ball through the hoop. We'll talk about a couple of people who did it unbelievably well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the collapse was, was pretty tough. Um, I... I, I don't know how many times in this podcast for any given sport we have ever said, you and I both have spent a lot of breath saying, we aren't those guys. We aren't the, yeah, but the refs guys. I never want to be that. I don't enjoy that. I think it's it's the, the lowest common denominator, lowest hanging fruit of excuses. Um, but I believe it was uh, minus 27 on free throw attempts in this game. And it wasn't just the points that came at the free throw line. It was also the toll that it took on the momentum of the Texas team on on keeping key players off the court at the moment when they were heating up, um, when they were really dominating and just just kind of disjointing uh, a team that already you know didn't have the ability to practice during a, a natural disaster. Um, so the 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 way this game was officiated, how unevenly it was, um, really I think was a was a big factor. And again, I don't like to cite refs as a factor more often than not, but the, the perception that Texas is a school that gets home cooking. Um, maybe that applies to other sports. I haven't really ever seen it on the hardwood. How we all feel about Kansas in basketball is how everybody feels about Texas and football when it comes to the officiating. But like the, the sequence that will stick out to me forever is, well, there's two sequences. And again, I'm not going to harp on this, but like, Ramey sits for a while, comes back in, back-to-back threes, Texas is feeling it, and then he gets called for like a touch foul on the other end and fouls out. If you're going to call that, then you have to call Greg Brown getting tackled on the on the, yes. on the the final possession tip-in, right? And there are multiple fouls on that that didn't get called. So, like, I just don't understand. Like, if you're going to call it tight and then not call it tight for the last play of the game, like, that's just that's terrible officiating. But Texas left a lot of points on the board itself, right? Texas missed six free throws, right? When you got there, they didn't capitalize. Yeah. So like they were, they only went twice in the second half and missed both. Texas lost by two, mm-hmm. right? They make three of those free throws. It's a different game. We we have to talk about like Andrew Jones a little bit in this. Like mm. he's a spark plug and he's been really, really good, but he was just really bad. Texas had looks. He rimmed out a three to take the lead late yeah. in the game. Like Greg Brown, took four shots and all were three-pointers. Like, that's just not how Texas is going to be successful. And so, as much as we can blame the refs, like, Texas kind of did this to itself. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's no doubt about it, right? You you, you take Ramey and, and Coleman for stretches out of it, just shooting 
the lights out of the the gym. I, I think if Ramey doesn't have have foul trouble, that that you know twenty eight, which is an incredible uh, career high scoring for him, easily could have been thirty five. Like he, the guy just wasn't missing. It looked like the rim to him was 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 huge. But when he's feeling it like that, and he's in that kind of apex predator mode um, on both ends of the floor, you know, and 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 look, I had multiple people text me about this. Those two guys that we just mentioned, Andrew Jones and, and Courtney Ramey, had a bit of an altercation. It's something that probably happens a dozen times on the in during practice, and we never see it or hear about it. Yep. Um, but because it happened on a nationally televised game, again, I had multiple folks text me asking about it, and it, it is a thing. Shaka addressed it in his post game. You know, certainly it's it's not what you want, um, and certainly you hope if it is that that it it, it rallies the team rather than it felt like kind of. Um, was indicative or even sparked some some dissent in the team where their you know their their play on the court from that point on uh, wasn't positive, right? I mean, and, Gerald, you are you are the the more uh, psychologically analytical of the two of us. I feel <laughs> you uh, you are something of an armchair uh, psychologist. So, I mean, what what did you think of that the the Ramey Andrew Jones incident? I don't know how to say this any other way, but like. Anybody that's played competitive sports has probably seen that happen at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. Like you see that happen in a competitive intramural game, right? Like your 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 competitive intramural basketball game, people get like that. But you know, you're up 19 and you see another senior captain not giving effort on defense. Like I get why Ramey got after him, and I understand why Andrew Jones is probably like, dude, we're we're winning by 20 points mm-hmm. and me alone. Like I get I get both of those perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think the right response to either of them, I think one probably come at him differently, but two probably respond differently as well. I yeah. think when when both when both individuals in the in the when both people in the relationship respond incorrectly to the stimulus, <laughs> weird things happen, right? Um, and they're both competitive guys, and they're both guys who who fancy themselves team leaders, and so yeah. uh, they're both like Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones are two of the um, most hot button personalities in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Jones will come off and spark a team. We saw Ramey do it in this game, spark a team. And so what makes them good will sometimes lead to that. What makes them both the elite players that they are can be is what leads to that. They're both guys that care really deeply about what they're doing. And one of them felt like the other one wasn't showing it. And I, I get all of those perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're, I think you, you said it really, really well there that you have some spark plugs and, and, and Shaka Smart has said it as well. When he talks about Ramey, I think he said he's the most competitive player on the team and, and one of the most competitive players he's ever coached, but you've heard Shaka say it a couple times and he said it before this season. I think we talked about it in our season preview, but his quote had something along the lines of, you know, when Ramey's pointed in the right direction. Um, so, you know, Shaka understands there's a little bit of corralling that has to be done. Um, you know, there's still some seniors and in, in, in veteran leadership one step ahead of Ramey, but I look ahead to next year and this will be his team. And so there is that point where, okay, like, what type of leadership style do you need to embody when this is your team? Um, and I know we're not talking about next year yet, but just one of those things to think about because. Ramey is the guy next year, right? Um, but I don't think for the past three years, if you ask Courtney Ramey, he didn't believe he was the guy. And 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 you like that. You want that mindset. Andrew Jones, we've talked about it multiple games this season, has been the guy and 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 wants the ball at the end, doesn't doesn't shy from it. Look, fast forward, all the things that happened. Andrew Jones, like you said, had a shot that if it goes in, we're talking about a different game. Actually, the last two possessions give Chaka credit where it's due. I think he drew up good plays um, on yeah. both of those. They got good looks. I mean, 
there's nothing wrong with with any of that. It just it didn't go in. And, and again, if if you get a couple more free throws, you stop them from a couple free throws. You have a couple better executed possessions. You make a couple stops on defense. There's like 15 different things besides just the last plays. That if any of those go different, we're not having this conversation. Like what a different conversation you and I are having. Of wow, can you believe Texas blew a a 19 point lead and only won by six? You know, um, yeah. that's a much nicer conversation. But because they 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 weren't able to pull it out. In the end, a couple of those things didn't go their way. Then, then it leaves a much, much more sour taste in the mouth. Absolutely. So Texas has now lost four of its last six. Uh, had a game against OU postponed due to the weather. Uh, so Texas has two more games to try to get that taste out of their mouth and and kind of keep their grips on what was at one point like a, a solid seating in the Big Twelve tournament. So they got uh, KU. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, mm. the night you're listening to this, and then Saturday against Texas Tech, they've got uh, several games that potentially need to be made up. But I don't. We still don't know how the Big Twelve is going to handle it, and so we'll we'll obviously keep you updated with that as it comes around. The other disappointment of <laughs> Saturday and then Sunday and then well, actually Monday as well. Um, the baseball team, after a terrible not getting to practice week because of record snow in Austin, dropped three games in number seven, Mississippi State. Number eight, Arkansas, and number six, Ole Miss. All three of those are also counted as wins for Texas A&M. So congratulations, Aggies, three and zero in uh, that little weekend spell. Three and three, because I think uh, A&M, I believe, also opened zero and three, or at least zero and two in their opener. So uh... that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> the joke still stands. But anyway, like it does. The, the bats were just not there. The bat, like that, to me. Yeah, they gave up some runs. They gave up quite a few runs. They gave up, well, like 20 runs in three games. But they also only managed what felt like three hits in three games uh, in so many. And it just, it wasn't, I tweeted out this morning jokingly that we needed to wake up the bats. And it just didn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. And that can be problematic in a season where you still got some uh, some questions to figure out in the in the pitching staff. Yeah, look, right. I mean, I think we all came into the season thinking Ty Madden was was the savior, and the season opened up with with Ty Madden striking out the side, and you said, "Oh, okay, that's why Madden, who had more strikeouts than innings pitched in the in a shortened season last year, and a guy who before the game was was named to the you know one of the fifty five finalists for the Golden Spikes watch list," you said, "Oh, okay, it, it, we're gonna have the arms this year. This is uh, this is gonna be it." Um, there were some ups and downs in the bullpen. There were some ups and downs in our starting arms throughout the weekend, even even uh, from Madden. I mean, look, they played three really good teams. Um, I, I think both of the Mississippi teams actually are, are going to be really, really good this year, like really, really good. Um, and so you would have loved to at least get one of those. Um, I do feel like Arkansas was the best chance um, out of this weekend. The fact that they had – bases loaded um early on in this game and a chance to really do something and and um then when you zoom out and look and those were pretty much like all of their hits the entire game um you know it just hurts when you think about that they're gonna have to figure something out with the bats um the arms i i feel more confident are going to be there there was a couple freshmen who debuted who um who looked good in some short stints and uh, and had a good inning or two here. Um, I thought Palmer Wenzel in that first game really good. I, I mean, I, I think there was some some. There's going to be some mixing of the rotation. I think Pierce is going to have a couple things to get it perfectly figured out. But I think the arms are are the arm talent at least is is there. It's just a matter of getting exact rotations down. But the bats, 
again, it's the opening weekend. Maybe there's rust. They haven't played in a long time. Um, weird, weird conditions. Let's not forget this game. The series got pushed back a day because here in Houston, um, there wasn't running water. Um, couldn't get in hotels. Like it's, it was just weird, right? Where, where these players were, were coming from Austin, where they had no water going to Houston, where they had no water. It was a weird situation. It's one of those things like, you know, some of the basketball games this year, like, should we have even played this? Um, but again, that's no excuse when you, when you, when you play the game, you gotta, you gotta go out and play. And it just felt like all of the teams that Texas played were, were more ready, um, more willing to make adjustments. Texas got some things going, but it felt like, um, you know, pitching adjustments, hitting adjustments. The other teams just adjusted to what Texas was doing better. Um, and, uh, they face some some power pitchers sometimes in the beginning of the season your bat has to catch up to dudes who are touching in the 90s and 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 i get that but um but yeah this would have been a good chance to showcase that texas um you know deserved to be a a top 10 team in a college world series contender and i don't know that they'll drop too far because they lost to six seven and eight um but they'll probably fall from nine out of the top 10 at least if not around 15 or so um but a chance to uh bring the pressure off and, and skill up and 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 bring the uh, the Big Twelve season where they're going to have some good matchups. Yeah, I think I think the stat that that was telling for me that I don't think can hold throughout the season is that they had ninety nine at bats this in in these three games, right? Basically, there was uh, whatever ninety nine at bats, right? And in fifty one of those ninety nine at bats, they were either behind zero and two or one and two. Mm. So like you you get out or you get behind early yeah. in in a, in an at bat and there's not much you can do and they struck out a ton of times over over that over that three game series and so I think um, there's going to be and I think you said it right like I think there's the bats are just going to have to catch up a little bit and and again when you when you're unable to practice and when practice is weird this is like this is the weirdest sports year that we're ever going to see like, mm. you're going to see a lot of weird things continue to happen because we're catching up right we'll talk about recruiting on the other side of this break but like we'll talk about some recruiting rankings later on that like recruiting rankings is going to be weird everything's weird there's a, there's one of the high one of the highest most highly coveted wide receivers in the country is rated like 300 and change right now because nobody got to evaluate uh, evaluate players. So like, there's just a lot of weirdness that's going to happen. And I think the the 51 of 99 being behind on pitch counts is just not going to hold. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I don't also like that's half. Yeah, that's half your your at bats. They almost struck out in half their at bats. They had 46 strikeouts. I just don't think that that holds. I hope not. That's going to be a long, long year if that is the case. But 16 hits, four walks, and 46 strikeouts are just ratios that they need to improve. And they have a team coming for multiple games. They have a four-game series this week against BYU, which feels like a perfect team to just tune up and take behind the woodshed and really um, get some frustrations out on, probably for the football team's sake as well, for past grievances. Um, but I wouldn't mind a, a 4-0 sweep with you know about a uh, combined 28 run differential over those games in this uh, midweek series against BYU. Just to remind people that this is a very, very good Texas team. Just take a minute to get get going. If that happens, I'll uh, I'll feel much better. I'm always fine with beating BYU. So that's the part of the show where we do all the other news that we didn't get to talk about, uh, and we down the forty. So Texas on the recruiting trail on the football side of things got another big name to drop in the class four-star wide receiver Evan Stewart committed to the Longhorns over the weekend he's the number 40 player overall the number five wide receiver and the number eight player 
in the state of Texas. He nearly committed to Texas uh, a few weeks ago, but decided to pump the brakes. But apparently um, the commitments of Jaden Blue and Malik Murphy kind of sped up his timeline a little bit. He is an incredible prospect, incredibly fast, one of probably the biggest playmakers in the state. Uh, and he is going to really uh, he's going to he's going to be useful. I will say in Sark's <laughs> offense. I love that. Useful. There was a clip that uh, Westcott actually posted um, of a screen pass that, that he took. And I think I'll use Westcott's words and not pretend they're my own, but said there's probably not a play more indicative of any recruit than, than what he was able to do with that that will translate to Sark's offense, right? But um, I also watched it and thought, Wes, did you post that in fast forward? Um, <laughs> it, it just looked like he was – he just was flying. I mean um, – I'm not calling him, you know, the future Sarkeesian's next Heisman wide receiver, but he does play like a certain recent Heisman uh, winner with elite speed and uh, the ability just to to get open all over the field. Um, I, I mean, I, I, there's going to be some talent in this class, but uh, like you said, when you when there's talent already and you, you guys are giddy to get in there to get on board, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to. Uh, to, to have players clamoring and fighting over each other to, to, to get into this class, right? That That is a slight departure from the end of the Tom Herman era, I think. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's great. Um, and one thing, Gerald, I don't want to miss out here is is as name and image likeness rights come to the, uh, the college landscape in the future, you're not just getting a near five-star, one of the best athletes, most dynamic wide receivers, playmakers in the entire country. You're also getting his 1.3 million followers on TikTok, Gerald. I mean, is that the wave of the future in recruiting? Are are, are we gonna list? Are recruits gonna list on you know their huddle page, their stats, and their social media follower accounts? Because it it seems like that might matter. I don't know. Here's the thing: if we've been reading the tea leaves of his TikToks that are clearly not intended for 35 year old men, <laughs> he's been rocking a lot of burnt orange in them. So I think this was a foregone conclusion. But that wide receiver class is filling up fast. Um, we we saw Steve Wiltfong put in a who if you don't know if you're not a recruiting uh, like. Get it, Fong is like the dude. Like when he makes a prediction, it usually happens. And so uh, he put in a crystal ball for former Texas commit Faison Wilson, but then later Wilson uh, Wilson released the top three without Texas in it because that that wide receiver room is filling up fast. And so um, again, there's there's stories behind it that Texas is holding some spots for again three of the top wide receiver two. They're holding two spots for three of the top wide receivers in the country. And so like that is just indicative of how quickly this class is filling up that they had to turn away a top 300 kid to say, hey, we've got like a top 20 kid that may take this spot. So uh, it, it sucks that we're having to do it like Alabama. We're having to do it like Alabama, and it feels good. <laughs> That's it's amazing. Bring bring the Alabama guys. Bring you know that that mentality with 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 Banks and Bo Davis and, and Sarkeesian, um, and bring a a Texas team with excitement around it. Which again, that's. That combination is is a lethal cocktail, and, and for the the Aggies, the Sooners, even the Oklahoma State Cowboys and Baylor Bears and TCU, the other teams that have been around and competing against Texas, they they don't want to see this. This is not good for them. This is nightmare inducing. This is this is awful. You do not want 
a Texas with momentum because if that is the case, then literally, you know, much like the University of Alabama, Texas is taking its pick. Um, and the interesting thing is, is you talked about Wilt Fong. He's the, the 247 National Director of Recruiting. He's going to be involved here, not just because he's he gets the final say on recruits, but because Texas has the chance to really, truly be a national brand. Sarkeesian's West Coast roots we've talked about. Um, obviously, this is a Texas commit we're talking about, but some of the other receivers, um, I'll just let you read the tea leaves, but maybe um, both nationally ranked and from around the nation potentially some of those open spots if uh, all the analysts and, and experts are to be believed so it's exciting times it's 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 literally some of the most exciting recruiting times in 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 recent history here uh for for texas so i'm 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 drinking the kool-aid Gerald. i'm all gas i no break i am I am as well, and, and a couple of those receivers also play on Jaden Blue 7 on 7 teams. Like, you know, there's just a couple couple things that could happen. But speaking of recruiting staff, not a ton to say here, but um, I always judge these types of hires by how angry the opposing fan bases are. And so Texas hired uh, Billy Glasscock from North Carolina State to be their director of player personnel. And if you look at the uh, NC State message boards, they were on fire. So good hire is what I'm going to call it. Uh, and then they promoted Brandon Harris, who had been on the recruit staff for a little bit uh, to backfill for Brian Carrington, a position that Texas actually created for Brian Carrington to be the director of recruiting. So uh, Texas is, and Sark is really building a massive, massive recruiting engine, and the dividends are paying off early. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm excited. These are always the interesting hires that maybe the average fan doesn't really know about, but they matter a lot. I'm excited for Glasscock, excuse me, Glasscock, everything I've heard um about him again from people smarter than me and more in the know um say it's a, a good hire these guys respect it around and and does a great job i'm just excited for all glass no breaks um you heard it here first um but uh but yeah i mean it's it's uh it, it's good get the right guys in around these right players and, and continue that pipeline we just talked about uh and i'm excited i am as well texas women's basketball uh got Got some momentum going. They fell behind early, but managed to hold off or, I guess, take a lead uh, and then not let go over Kansas State 59 to 48. They were behind like 17 to 8 in the first half, but managed to uh, tighten things up late. I think it was it was a solid showing uh, for Schaefer's team. They needed a bounce back. Charlie Collier continues her, her double-double streaking. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, Charlie Collier is, is known for, for like Kawhi Leonard said, board man gets paid, or in this case, board woman uh, gets paid. Board person. Board person, which is, you know, come on, Kawhi. Um, add another reason to dislike him. Um, but uh, <laughs> Charlie Collier has been the board person. Um, but on this one, Audrey Warren, 19 rebounds. She's coming for that throne, Charlie. You just got to watch out. Uh, Audrey Warren does a little bit of literally everything, and that's why she's uh, one of my favorite players. But 19 rebounds, good uh, good on her. Audrey Warren, 9 points, 19 rebounds, all five of her fouls. That's how I like <laughs> my basketball played. So Texas has four games left on the schedule against Kansas, a team they already beat, OU, a team they already beat. Uh, we don't talk about the first Baylor game and the, and the road game against TCU to close the season. Um because the first game got canceled. Why do you schedule Baylor for senior night? That's my last question before we move off. Uh, like, why do you do that? What's, yeah. what's the what's the reasoning? You have to imagine that was that was done before Vic Schaefer got here. Crystal Conti was at, you know was out of the office. Maybe that was when he was in his in his arm sling. He was at the doctor. I I, I don't know. That's that's 
maybe it's to motivate. I don't know. It just seems like a bad idea. Um, I, you know what you never want to do is give Kim Mulkey an extra chip on her, her already broad and, and chip laden shoulders. Um, it's frightening, Gerald. I, I, I almost don't want to watch that one. It, it, it might be ugly. I hope not, but it, it might be. Who knows? We'll see. So sticking with the ladies, after having not one but two season opening events canceled due to weather, the number seven softball team opened up at the my favorite name of a tournament ever, the Scrap Yard Blizzard Challenge. If that doesn't get you hyped up for some softball, I don't know what does. Uh, but they opened the season with an 8-0 run rule of the Wichita State uh Gold Flashers, right? Is that Gold Flashers? Is that what we got with Wichita State? I think so. Gerald, of course it is. Of course, that's the the, the Wichita State Shockers. You're you're probably thinking of of Wushok. Um, that's their their official uh, mascot. And of course, Wushok is described on the official dot uh, edu page. In fact, Wushok quote is a big bad muscle bound bundle of wheat. So uh, that's just intimidating. Right there, but not apparently on the softball diamond. Not at all. Got run rule. That's it. We're at one run rule on the year, Kyle. Let's keep that counting. Going. We Lauren will be Burke, counting. Uh, Lauren Burke blasted a three-run home run. Went perfect. Three of three on the day. Sheldon O'Leary had a great outing as well. And then they decided to just they they played all of the innings, but but beat UNT five to one. So a great starting outing for the ladies. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that North Texas team is actually good. They're going to be ranked by the end of the year. I was a little bit worried um, when I saw that five-star freshman Riley White was getting thrown to the Wolves um, right away um, in, in that one, a good North Texas team. But they, they came out, I think her only run was unearned uh, the, in that one. So Texas, over the weekend in their opener, hit 412 as a team, 11 extra base hits, a combined ERA of 0. 0.00. Again, that was a, an unearned run uh, in the UNT game. So um, – Really, really good opener. Texas extending that opening streak to 25 games. I mentioned it last week on the pod. I wasn't too worried about it, but uh, keeping it going. I love it. It's, uh, it's a start to, a let's hope, a, a, a wonderful season with, with, with silverware at the end. Silverware. Glassware? Like is it glassware? I don't I don't know. I the Big Twelve is, is like a it's like a it's like a crystal. I don't know. Crystalware. Crystalware. Yeah, crystal crystal and yeah. Anywho, so uh they announced on Monday that they'd be playing Texas State on Wednesday, and then before hopefully hosting a weekend tournament that has Sam Houston, Lamar, Mississippi State, Connecticut, and Ole Miss. So quickly, women's golf currently sits number eight on the leaderboard at the Icon Invitational in Humble, Texas. Four Longhorns are even or better in their second round so far. They got one round left to play on Tuesday, so we'll find out the final results of that. Uh, Big 12 track championships this weekend. The ladies currently sit at number three nationally, the men at number 11th. And soccer announced the spring schedule. They'll take on Texas State, Baylor, uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, LSU, and Arkansas to uh, play a little little spring soccer. Yeah, they get about a, a little over a month in there. I think they have an exhibition against the Houston Dash, too. Those are always fun, but uh, good chance for uh, Julie Grasso and and the uh, the talented ladies there to uh, to yeah continue a season that's that's been weird. But yeah, get a, get a, a little over a month of of soccer. Never a bad thing. Not at all. And, and Gerald, one one more thing I wanted to mention the the uh, number seven men's tennis. I think if anyone was looking for those scores, was postponed. Number two women's tennis was postponed. Um, we obviously talked about softball. 
the Oklahoma basketball games. I mean, I think there was like a total of like five or six games that were postponed through all of this. So if you're sports viewing this year, we said it was the weirdest year ever, but has been off. You were looking for games, couldn't find them. Um, just make sure you go to Texas sports, uh, like, you know, every couple hours or, or, or set a, a bookmark there as your homepage, um, because the, those schedules are, are changing faster than, than even we can keep track of. So, um, yeah, there hopefully will be no more unless there's COVID. So only one, uh, global issue to be monitoring. No longer do we have local weather ones. So let's move it on to the Godzilla Tron, where we take a look at the uh, what Gerald and I are watching on our giant screen. So Gerald, what are you watching? So this one's not a lighthearted one, but uh, Judas and the Black Messiah came out last weekend. But my wife and I uh, didn't have a ton of time to to watch that one because it's one that like you wanna like sit and pay attention to, and and um, that is an absolutely brutal movie to watch but it's such a well acted film Lakeith Stanfield obviously crushes it Daniel Kaluuya um, has already been nominated for a bunch of awards and very likely uh, will get nominated for a bunch of awards and so if you don't know the story of Fred Hampton and and um, kind of the the FBI implant that was that was uh, infiltrated the Illinois Black Panther Party um, during the the civil rights area like it there there's a there's I don't want to get super political at this point, but like the guy was like shot dead in his bed after a, a botched FBI raid. And there's a lot of um, information and misinformation that goes on about it. But a uh, 21 year old man that was really like trying to unite people. Thing that was different about Hampton in his efforts was he was uh, less divisive that I would say than probably more of the um, typical black Panther leadership. He united with a, a group of, expatriated uh, Appalachians who were uh, stuck in Illinois and he um, connected with a, with a Latin street gang as well to try to really stand up for what he thought was right. And that kind of put a really big target on his back. And so uh, it's not a, it's not a fun watch. It is a, it is a tough watch. It's really well acted. It's one of those movies that I, um, I'm glad I watched, but I'll never, never watch again, but it was really good. I'm glad I watched it. Uh, and then my wife and I are, are rewatching blackish. Um, which is kind of like our that was our decompress <laughs> after watching Judas and the Black Messiah was we uh, watched the if you haven't seen the hundredth episode of Blackish it's all a Prince musical and so that was a really that was a really nice like I need to be able to sleep tonight yeah. kind of situation uh, so we watched that and Blackish is always just real real fun to watch Blackish is is probably one of the most underrated shows of like our era um, the fact that it doesn't get talked about more often is is criminal it is hilarious um yeah that some of the like you could you can single out singular episodes it's just like i cried for an hour straight laughing sometimes like i cried for an hour straight on some of the they do emotional ones as well but that prince episode is just so oh, wonderful Perfect. beautiful um now that's that's fantastic i uh, uh i'm gonna go over to mine i don't have a good segue from prince to to my um my my show uh, that that I'm going to talk about uh, Gerald, but I, I'm going to give you a a brief piece of of uh, trivia here, Gerald. Do you know um, in in the greater Hollywood uh, and and silver screen royalty which um, award winning actor um, I am kin to? I want to say Don Cheadle because it'd be funny, but I couldn't come up with anyone. <laughs> be amazing, and that's that's on my side, of course. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Paul, as I call him, uh, Paul Giamatti, um, an amazing, amazing actor. Uh, I remember as a kid watching Sideways uh, and being like, man, this guy's 
this guy's good at being like a lovable schlub or like an angry a-hole. Um, but either way, you can't deny his craft. Um, Paul's brother, Marcus, is married to my second cousin. So we're basically really close. I've never met him, never spoken to him, but I love watching anything that he's in. And I've put off for this long and I can't believe it. Uh, probably, I would say at this point, maybe his, his piece he's most famous for. Um, other than that one where he was like the principal with the kids movie, the the blue something anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, probably Billions is his most famous role. So finally we watched it. Uh, my wife and I just wanted something we could kind of uh, sink our teeth into. We've been watching a lot of um, just kind of meaningless nothing shows in between since we finished Breaking Bad. And so um, I'm good. We could kind of serialize again. Um, and it is really, really good. I'm only in the first season. I think I have one more episode left in the first season. And it, it is wild because this feels like it could be two seasons, two and a half seasons of any other show. There's just a lot that happens. There's um, a couple laughs for sure. Um, just really good acting. It's It seems really well written. There's, there's drama, um, but it's like not super manufactured drama. It's like just interesting. Keeps you really entertain that like you're you're you know taking hour-long episodes and they feel like 20 minutes i i find it um again i, I haven't watched the whole thing um but in the first season like i'm really excited my wife is loving it we watched the session before this and uh and she very much is of the opinion that this is the superior show i'm holding out to see because I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of that show than her but uh if 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 you're listening to my wife's movie takes which that's basically what this section has become um <laughs> uh then then if you're wafering between the two start with billions because she loves that one uh exponentially more and like i said i'm i'm really really into it so far through one season so i'll report back as i have more but uncle paul is uh, is killing it so far i love it so uh, if you haven't seen him in john adams you should remedy that mm. pretty quickly he was real good in john adams uh and then i was trying to think he oh, man what was it that i was though no, 12 years a slave is ob- obviously a um tough watch but it's a real sure. good one also, low-key underrated because it came out right at the same time. The Illusionist, it came out at the same time as The Prestige. Right. And that one, it's not, I, it's not as good as The Prestige, but it got, like, dumped upon because it came out. There were Weirdly, in the same summer, there were two movies about magicians, and so, like, <laughs> it just wasn't a great time for that movie to come out. But if you haven't, if you haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's pretty solid. And and Daryl, just a quick rejoin. You're 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 right. It's it's tough to be the, the other magician movie, but uh, Big Fat Liar was what I was thinking of, where he was painted blue in 2002, obviously for the Frankie Muniz uh, vehicle that 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 was one of the first things I remember him in. But anyways, that uh, uh, get on the get on the Paul Giamatti train. Didn't expect it to go there, but just if you're not, I don't know what the heck you're doing. Everything he everything he makes is enjoyable. Come on. Absolutely. Speaking of enjoyable, that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Oh, Gerald, I'm banging the drum on uh, on non-football football. I'm, uh, You know what I like when it's not football season? There's no college to watch. Super Bowl's already happened. Um, you know, there, there's no high school football to take in. Uh, they don't make an NCAA football game yet. Probably be about a year and a half, two years before they they really realistically get that thing out. Um, what do you do? 
Gerald, you watch non-football football. And of course, I'm talking about seven-on-seven football. Um, I, I remember it got big probably around the time we were in high school as a, as a circuit. Um, and, and I played seven-on-seven. Seven. I was not at any of these tournaments that we're I'm referencing. Um, but it's fun. If you're not familiar, it is a, a no-line football. So for me, who is a skill position guy, I love it. For Gerald, who loves the trenches, probably despises it. Um, but, uh, you know, it is no line. They have a center snapping to a quarterback. But other than that, it's just backs, really, receivers and DBs. And, and it's perfect for the, the modern spread offense RPO without the, uh, the, the R. It's just a, a P, oh, I guess, the pass option. But uh, obviously, that lends itself well to watching quarterbacks, watching receivers, watching running backs split out, catching passes. Um, and there's a lot of those we've talked about recently with Texas. Um, of course, there is uh, there is the, the, the main one that I think if anyone tuned in to watch, it was probably Malik Murphy at Pylon in Las Vegas. It was um, basically for the people who said, we don't have tape on this kid. He looks good in camps. This was like a half step uh, forward. It's not varsity football, um, but it was him throwing live, and and his arm looked live. I mean, he was he was squeezing balls in, just flick of the wrist, chunking fifty yard deep balls. I think every one of the like six or seven drives he was in on uh, resulted in a touchdown. He had a nice back shoulder uh, kind of tight end seam throw on the on what would be the equivalent of the goal line. Um, you know, I I, I think. When we don't have a bunch of tape on our five-star and everyone is starving and hungry for it, it was a nice little palette uh, cleanser, especially with a, a not-great week of UT sports with all of us frozen and, and sad and upset and waterless and watching our, our, our Texas sports come out and be toothless. Um, it was nice to see not only Malik throwing, but just smiling, laughing, kind of jawing with the guys who were uh, covering it. Shouts to Mike Roach, but also many others out there and posting videos of it. He just seemed to be, he has that swagger. He talked the talk and then he went out and walked the walk. And I just I was more excited about Texas sports watching a kid who will not be here for a while uh, throw a football to other kids who may or may not be here uh, at some point in the future um, than I was with anything uh, save softball. I love softball. Uh, those ladies are my are my salvation this year. But uh, other than that, it was the best part of the UT sports weekend. You also saw Jaden Blue and, again, just an electric player uh, get out there. And um, the fun thing is, there's a reason these kids know each other, and that's how Texas has these national recruiting networks. It's easy. When the kids are doing your job for you, and these star players I just mentioned are at these tournaments, posing, throwing the hook'em horns with their friends, giving their uh, their, their teammates on their team longhorn gloves just to, uh, to tease those of us at home keeping eyes on it. It, it, it keeps that excitement we talked about with recruiting, um, but it gives it a very tangible feel that you don't necessarily get when you're just staring at a recruit's Twitter page, which I don't do, but I'm sure some do. Yeah, and I, I I don't say this because he's a friend of ours and he comes on our show a lot, but I really do think uh, Mike is one of the best in the in the business when it comes to recruiting and evaluating kids. Um, and so he did a really really in depth write up of of Malik Murphy and his, and he basically says that like the narrative that Malik Murphy is raw is the wrong narrative because the kid has polish, the kid has great footwork, he's looking off safeties, he's doing those things, uh, but he hasn't played a ton of varsity stats. Like inexperience is probably. A a better way to go about it. I think he's got all of the tools and again, he's got a really, really high ceiling, but 
you talk about the swagger from the kid, and this is the moment that I fell in love was he he was apparently talking to all of the recruiting writers that were fawning around him and said, Hey y'all, watch this and throws an absolute laser right past the defender for a touchdown and then walks away and said, I told y'all. Like that's what I want out of my quarterback is just the biggest, baddest, chest thumping dude who has never had a moment of self doubt in his entire life. That's what I want from my quarterback at the University of Texas. Do you remember the last time, Gerald, we had a big quarterback with all of the charisma, swagger, and self-confidence in the world? And again, I'm not making low-hanging fruit easy comparisons, but the last five-star, large, loud-talking, swinging, swaggering uh, quarterback that we had, did did that work out? We brought it all the way back to Austin, Texas, baby. It's a bad comp, but I like I like You're the, right. the swagger. I agree. Just just from a swagger perspective. I'm banging the drum this week on um, guys that that are doing what you should do when you have means. You know, we we are we are coming out of a really tough season for people um, in the state of Texas. On top of uh, on top of all the the junk that happened with COVID and, and layoffs and all of that, and then we go to price gouging and, and from energy companies and those types of things. People don't have food. People don't have water. And the number, the sheer number of former Texas players that were just online saying, hey, I'm dropping 150 cases of water at Judson High School tomorrow. Or Michael Huff literally one day had hundreds of meals in f- in all five of the major metropolitan like Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, Austin like had meals at the same time coordinated in every city and I think um, Huff, Huffy also because he's just an ubermensch decided to also try to prioritize doing business with small businesses to do that so like not only was it like a hey now in I think in Dallas it was like it was like Chick-fil-A in 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 uh, cheddars, but like Pinkertons in San Antonio just opened up a new restaurant. He, he did a hundred meals of Pinkertons, did a hundred meals at um, some smaller spots in Austin. So like, I don't have much to say other than like that. Like, I literally texted my wife. I was like, "Hey, I'm not coming to bed for a couple minutes because I'm in the living room, like trying to like compose myself uh, because I saw it. And I was just like, this is absolutely what." Um, being a person should be all about is like when you have the means to help those without you do so. And I think seeing these people who absolutely get it, um, who also happen to love something that I love was just a really incredible moment. So horns up for those guys who are, um, literally putting their money where their heart is. And you saw uh, like Miles Turner, who was jawing back and forth with the fan raised. Like, I think it ended up being 700 or $75,000 that he's going to, or not, yeah, $75,000 he's going to be able to donate to relief efforts in Texas. He got $25,000 worth of donations. He matched it, and then the NBA PA matched his. So, like, that type of stuff is just like when you've got a platform, when you've got the means, when you've got the privilege, use it to help people. And that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, you know, it. it you're right, Gerald. And it isn't just because these guys are longhorns. Um, that, that's amazing. I, I love that what starts here changes the world, and you saw it become palpable. But there was, you know... A, direct comparisons of other Texans, other humans um, who had means, had opportunity and even had a calling or responsibility and, and, and um, shrugged that. And so seeing people take up the alms, take up the, the, um, the burden and, 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 you know, whether, you know, Miles Turner, Huff, Malik, uh, any of these guys, just the fact that we saw it from so many Longhorns who just understood uh, Texas was home. Texans are family, and 
someone has to do it and I'm not going to wait for it to be someone else um, was reassuring, reinvigorating as we sat freezing under blankets and, 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 you know, uh, slurping at the bottom of, of empty bottles of water, trying to make it through. It was reassuring to see that mentality and that kind of lack of ego and lack of, um, self-importance just to say, you know, no, I'm a part of something bigger and it's my job if I can to go out and help. Um, it was amazing. And I, and I agree with you. It was, it was part of what got me through, you know, the long weekend weekend is was seeing some of that. So, um, kudos and 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 hook them i mean that's the type of stuff that makes you proud to be a longhorn and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i am at gh gutter troll the show on twitter at longhorn pod choose an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com catch me in my other podcast two woke nerds we're doing our weekly breakdowns of wandavision stuff got weird this week so we'll talk about that uh we'd love to have you as part of that group thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook them hook them we tackled that podcast as hard as the OU placeholder